morning and welcome to First Belton. My name is Logan Reynolds and I have the joy of serving as the senior pastor here at this church. Before we get the service started today, there are a couple of things that we want to share with you. First, we want you to know that we are a mission-minded church at First Belton and we support missions both locally and globally. And today begins a week of praying for our North American missionaries and the work that they're doing all over the country. You can go by Mission Central just after the service today, and you can pick up a copy of this Make Jesus Known Prayer Guide. And you can use this during your regular prayer time as you pray for the missionaries all over the country. You can also access a digital guide to use on Realm as well. Secondly, I want to say a huge thank you to all of you who have been faithful to give your tithes and offerings to the All In One Heart One Fund. As the year has begun, we have seen so many of you holding to your commitments, and we want to praise God for that and say thank you for your faithfulness. These resources support the ministry that we're doing in Belton, the mission work we're involved in all around the world, and the future building that God is leading us to build. If it has been a challenge for you to give, I want to encourage you to take a step of faith and trust God within this area of your life. He is faithful, and He promises to provide for your needs as you worship Him through your giving. Now, there are multiple ways that you can give at First Belton. You can use the link on the Connect card in your pew. You can text to give by texting FBC Belton to 73256. You can give through the Realm website or the app, and there are envelopes in the pew and black boxes at the back of the exits that you can use to drop off your tithes and offerings today. Join in with us through the joy of giving. Finally, I want to make you aware that today's sermon is covering some mature content as we continue to walk through 1 Corinthians. And I would like to give you, as the parent, the opportunity to decide if you want your kiddo to be a part of today's message. Our children's ministry team sent out some communication earlier this week with a plan for your kiddo during the message if you choose for them to not be a part of today's message. After the music portion of our service, during the video right before the sermon, Parents, you can escort your child to the foyer on the first floor, and our wonderful children's staff will meet all the kids and take them to the right location. They will also get them to their Sunday school class right after the service. Now, as we begin our time of worship through singing, scripture, and the preaching of the word, I invite you to draw in to worship with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You ready? Let's go. Well, good morning. Welcome to worship. Would you stand together with us? Would you get your hands together with us this morning? Sing this out. Let's your voice out.
we've been delivered, we've been set free from the curse of sin, and one day, our great Heavenly Father is coming back to get us. Let's celebrate that right now as we continue to sing.
seated as we continue. I want you to turn your attention to the screen. We had a little something called D Now this weekend. And this is a great little video to highlight all the things the Lord did. Well, good morning. My name is Jeremy. I have the honor and privilege to serve as uh, the minister to students here at First Baptist Belton. And we want to welcome you. We are so thankful that you are here. As you can see, our weekend was incredible. Uh, just really excited about how the Lord used this weekend. If you don't know, it is actually not a weekend that's just for First Baptist Belton. Uh, we have 12 other churches in our community, praise God, that are a part of this, uh, this weekend. It was really sweet. We had 130 people involved from our church, 600 plus uh, in all. Man, talk about how the Lord used a weekend to impact our community, amen? And what I really wanna make sure to do, very, very important, okay? If you are an adult in the room and you had anything to do with this weekend, I wanna invite you to stand. Come on, come on, stand up. 
Look around. We're not just a church that says we're multi-generational, we live it. And that's not to celebrate First Baptist Belton, but to celebrate how the Lord has given servant-hearted people to be able to love, serve, and impact teenagers, and we're so thankful for it. Whether it was cooking a meal, whether it was providing host home and a host home opportunity and not really getting any sleep, uh, whether it was a community partnership, um, just so many different ways in which adults in our church allowed our students to be able to serve, know, and share Jesus this weekend, including parents. And so we just want you to know how thankful we are for you for that. And students, from the bottom of my heart, I want you to know, I just love you guys. And uh, thank you for making this weekend so sweet. Really appreciate that. All right, enough sentimentality, let's move on. Uh, thank you so much for being here today. If it's your first time, we would like to extend a special welcome to you. And we would like to get to know you, to connect with you. And we've got two ways in which you can do that. There's a slip of paper in the pew in front of you. It's got a QR code. That's our digital connect card. Take that out and scan that and fill out the information and we will get back with you. If you're the person that prefers more of a one-on-one face-to-face connection, right out here we have an area called Connection Central. And there will be individuals there that can direct you where you need to go, um, let you know that we're excited that you're here and find a place in which you can uh, get plugged in here at First Baptist Belton because we want that for you. Um, I also wanted to mention too, Logan said it in his uh, video and we wanna say it again. You know, we, we communicated earlier this week that today's sermon is gonna cover some mature content. And because we love families and we realize that you're the primary disciple maker in the home, we truly believe that. We wanna give you an opportunity either to keep your kid in the service if that's what you choose to do. And then if not, we totally understand and affirm you in that. And then whenever uh, the video comes on right before the message, you can just walk out here in the foyer and a member of our children's ministry team will uh, take your kid to a place and they're gonna have a great time. Um, And uh, we're just really excited to be able to offer that opportunity. And we just want you to know that um, we just really, we affirm what you decide to do. And if you keep them in the service, that's great too. We know that that's an opportunity that you can have as a Sunday afternoon conversation. Uh, in that primary discipleship role that, that we believe parents are. Uh, I'm so glad that you chose to worship with us today. I'm gonna invite you to pray with me and then we're gonna enter back into worship if we can do that. So would you bow your heads? Oh, Father, what a sweet, sweet weekend we had as a church with our Disciple Now weekend. Thank you for every student, every adult represented. Lord, I just could, we couldn't do it without them. Thank you that we have people in our church that, uh, that truly understands what it means to raise up the next generation. These are our leaders in the future church and they're the leaders of, of today. And Lord, I, I'm just so humbled personally as a leader of this ministry to be able to serve alongside some just incredibly wonderful people. And Lord, I just thank you so much that as a church, we don't shy away from the truth of your word. Sometimes your word has things that are hard to hear. And so I I pray you'd be with Logan as he delivers this message that may be kind of difficult. Lord, I pray that you would be with our worship team and all that they're doing to lead us to the throne of Jesus, to sing high King Jesus's name. Lord, I don't know what people came in here with today. Maybe they're on top of the mountain. Maybe they're in the lowest valley. I don't know, Lord, but you do. You know their situation. You know where they're at. And we just ask that you meet us in both ways. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing at First Baptist Belton. 
And we want to be careful to give the honor and the glory and the recognition to Jesus and Jesus alone. Lord, continue to be with us as we navigate the rest of our service. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Thank you, Jeremy. Hey, church, we're going to invite you to stand together. Why don't you find one of these D-Now students and tell you, wake up. I'm just kidding. And welcome them to worship. Welcome everybody to worship today.
in our time of worship together. Church, I want to share a scripture passage with you as we, um, as we think about the God that we serve, the God that can do impossible things. And I don't know where you are in your season of life right now, but there's probably going to come a time, if there hasn't already, where you face something that feels impossible, something that you can't do, that you feel like it's just never going to happen. But we serve a God who's limitless. In Psalm 46, 1, it says he's an ever-present help in time of trouble. And they hear it in Mark 10, 27, it says this right here. Looking at them, Jesus said, with man it is impossible, but not with God, because all things are possible with God. And so I just want to be an encouragement to you. The worship ministry is going to sing a song over you to remind you of this truth, that with God, all things are possible.
In the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul invites us to reflect on the foundations we're building our lives upon. He warns against the dangers of a faulty foundation built upon disunity, immorality, and ultimately defiance of God. Paul makes it clear that a strong foundation is built on Jesus Christ, and apart from his strength, we will crumble. We are all a work in progress. God created us as vessels to glorify him. And the choices that we make and the relationships we pursue affect the condition of our foundation. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. We are made in the image of God, and what we choose to do with our bodies matters. The way we treat our bodies either glorifies God or glorifies us. Jesus redeems the world's distorted view of sexuality and sanctifies our relationships with each other. Whether God has called you to build a life through the gifts of singleness or marriage, his design is greater than any blueprint we create for ourselves. We must reflect on the foundations we are laying and understand that a life built upon God's truth is filled with unexplainable joy, peace, and beauty. All right, good morning. How are we? We good? Awesome. Well, who doesn't want to give the sex talk to a thousand people ages four through 96? Anybody up for that challenge? Well, today we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We're going to cover the last half of that chapter. And if you read ahead, you know what we're talking about. So it is what it is. It's the Word of God and it, it bears weight and it's authoritative for all of life. And that means all of life. So we're going to talk about it. First Corinthians chapter 6, we're going to begin in verse 12, and we're going to walk through again the second half of that chapter. You already know, because we've talked about it over and over again, that the, the city of Corinth is a happening place. It's a metropolitan-like city. Lots of people have moved in from all over the known area to Corinth, whether that was a job or whatever it may be. A metropolitan city offers a lot, and so you've got a lot of people moving in. One of the things we haven't talked about, though, is the fact that Corinth was also a very religious city. It was a very religious city. In fact, one of the key influences in Corinth uh, was the temple of, uh, of Aphrodite. 
Maybe you uh, have heard that name and you attach it to things like uh, lust, passion, love. Those would all be true. She was the goddess of love, passion, lust, pleasure, and fertility. And at one time at this particular temple, the temple of Aphrodite, there were over a thousand temple prostitutes that were serving at this temple. And we think our culture is rough. A thousand men and women serving as cult prostitutes at this temple. And so the way that that would work is, is if you wanted to go worship at the temple of Aphrodite, you would go and you would have sexual relationships with these cult prostitutes. And that was a way you worshiped. I know. Super weird. But that's what was the case. That's, that was their culture. That was what they were used to. To put this in perspective, according to the population at the time, that would be about one in every 30 people. One in every 30 people who were either serving as a cult prostitute or who had served as a cult prostitute. So all that to be said is in Corinth, uh, casual sex was not just you know, something that they did. It was a lifestyle. It was a lifestyle. And so what Paul is doing in 1 Corinthians 6 is he's writing to them to help correct their faulty thinking and then offer them something far better and far greater, which is a biblical worldview for sex. And so he answers the question, why does sex matter? Why do the way that we handle ourselves, why does that matter? Does it impact today? Does it impact eternity? All of those questions Paul addresses in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Now keep in mind, so Paul spent over a year and a half preaching the gospel in Corinth. Now a part of that is Paul spent a lot of time studying their culture, right? Anytime you go preach somewhere, it, 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 would, it would be a failure to walk in and just preach, right? You need to understand the culture and whom you're speaking to. So Paul did a ton of study on what is the culture, what do they believe, all of those things. And so Paul knows the culture very, very well that, he, that he's walking into and that he's preaching. And then after a year and a half, I'm sure he knows it really, really well, right? Because I'm sure he would say things and people had objections, all of those things. Now, here's the reality. In verse 12, what you're going to see is this kind of weird thing that Paul does. He answers objections before he ever receives the objection, you're going to see quotation marks in verse 12. And what that is, is Paul saying, hey, I know how you're going to respond to what I'm about to say. So I'm going to go ahead and assume that this is where you're headed. And then I'm going to offer you a rebuttal. Okay, so look in verse 12. Here's what Paul says. He says, all things are lawful for me. This is him speaking on behalf of the Corinthians. The Corinthians are saying, hey, all things are lawful for me. This is Paul's rebuttal. But not all things are helpful in other words, not all things are advantageous for you. Not all things are good for you. That's what Paul's saying. He goes on. All things are lawful for me. But Paul's rebuttal. But I will not be dominated by anything. So that's Paul's point here, right? And from this verse, I think it's crystal clear what the Corinthians are really struggling with. So the core of the matter is actually not sex. The core of the matter is, is this kind of misunderstanding of what it means to be free in Christ about Christian liberty. What does it mean for me to be free in Christ? And I think Paul would say, well, yes, you are free. And that is absolutely true. You are set free from the law. You are forgiven for your sin. And, and so the Corinthians seem to be taking that and saying, well, if that's the case, then I can do whatever I want. We hear that in our culture all the time, don't we? Well, I can do whatever I want because Christ is going to forgive me. 
Well, Romans chapter 6, verse 1, Roman, Rome being a very similar culture as, as Corinth, Paul writes in chapter 6, verse 1 in his letter to the Romans, he says this. He, he, he says, well, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? He says, by no means. In other, way, in, in other words, absolutely not. No, that's not how Christians ought to handle themselves. Again, it's important to understand that, again, we have been given a great deal of freedom in Christ. But the freedom that we have been given is not a freedom to gratify our sinful desires, but rather a freedom to serve the Lord. It's a big difference. We as Christians have not been given the freedom to do what we want, when we want, how we want, but rather we have been given a freedom to serve the Lord and His desires. Of freedom, the great theologian John Calvin, here's what he said of Christian liberty. It's really good. He says, In Christ we are lords of all things, only we must not abuse that lordship in such a way as to submit to the bondage of lusting after the things of the world to which God has put under our subjection. Think about that. It's really good. The point is that in Christ we have been given a freedom, but our freedom is not to do as we please, but the freedom to say no to that which we used to be enslaved by. So for those who are not in Christ, if you're in this room, you are enslaved to your desires. If you ever wanted to know why you can't seem to do what you want to do, it's because you don't have the Spirit of God. And if you don't have the Spirit of God, then you cannot not please your flesh and your sinful desires. In Christ, however, if you are in Christ this morning, What Paul is going to say to you is is that you do have the power to say no to the flesh. You have the Spirit of God working in you to have control over your sinful desires. And so, yes, you do have freedom. But your freedom is such that you can say no and you can say, hey, I'm not enslaved to you anymore. I'm not enslaved to you anymore. That's why Paul says in in verses 9 and 20, he says, you are not your own. For you were bought with a price, so glorify God with your body. By the way, that's Paul meaning exactly what he says. If you are a Christian, you're no longer your own. You've been purchased. You are no longer enslaved to your sin, but you are a slave to Christ. To be slave means that you have been purchased. You've been bought. That means you are no longer your own property. But you are the property of Christ. On your chest it says owned, bought sold, money has exchanged hands, blood has been spent for your life. And so to be quite frank, it may be your body, but you don't, you don't have ownership of it. And because you don't have ownership, it's not your body, and therefore it's not your choice. It's Christ's choice, because he owns you, and he owns your life. And hear me, that is the greatest news you could hear me tell you this morning. That if you are in Christ, he is in control over your life, including the physical body that you inhabit for a very temporary time that you have it. Man, you are not your own, but you are God's. So therefore, Paul says, glorify God in your body. Now, as we continue into verse 13, Paul's going to address another objection. He writes, food is meant for the stomach, and the stomach is meant for food. This is them talking. And Paul says, and God will destroy one and the other. You may be wondering, how in the world did Paul go from Christian liberty to the stomach and food? Seems kind of like a right turn. That's a left turn. Right turn. 
Seems kind of like a, a right turn, doesn't it? Yeah, it's kind of strange. But what the Corinthians are simply saying is that the issue of sex is just not a big deal. And to be honest, in their culture, it wasn't. For them, it was a part of normal life. In other words, casual sex with no intention or commitment was accepted as a natural way of life. It was a lifestyle. So food is meant for the stomach. The stomach is meant for food, right? The body was meant for sex. Sex was meant for the body. So it's just physical. What's the big deal? That's the culture that they live in. It's a normal part of their life. It wasn't something that we don't talk about. It was something they talked about all the time because everybody was doing it. And it was casual. There was no intent. There was no commitment. It was just like, this is what we do. Just like, I just, I go to Soul Day and I eat a taco. It's a natural part of life. Your body was created to do it, so why not have fun? What's the big deal? It's just physical. It's just physical. Now, here's where they get that. So, in the city of Corinth, it was heavily influenced by a philosopher named Plato. You may have heard that name, the philosopher of Plato, right? Heavily influenced by them. And one of the Plato's greatest achievements that he brought forth, one of his greatest ideas, was this idea of platonic dualism. It's just a fancy phrase that simply just means that, that there is a division between body and soul. One's physical body and soul are separate entities. And so at death, your physical body goes into the ground and your soul goes on to eternity into whatever that means per your religious belief. So the body goes into the grave, your soul goes on into eternity. Now, the reality is that, the, re- the reality for them then is that I can do whatever I want with my body because it has no bearing on my soul. That's where you get this kind of division between physical and soul. But Paul's point is, is that no, no, it's actually a really big deal. It's actually a really big deal because your body and soul are actually not separate entities, but they're one entity, right? And here's where we get that, verse 13. Verse 13 says that the body is not meant for sexual immorality, but it is meant for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and he will also raise us up by his power. So here Paul's referencing two things. The first thing that Paul's referencing is the truth that all of us were created by the Lord for the Lord. Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, uh, Paul writes, All things, including you and me in this room, were created through Jesus and for Jesus. If you ever wanted to know what your purpose is on this life, it is to glorify the Lord. He has created you to bring Him glory. That's why you exist on this planet, to bring Him glory. Again, speaking of Jesus, Paul's telling us that we're not created for ourselves and for our sinful pleasures, but rather for God and to do His pleasure, to do His will. That's how we glorify the Lord is when we are doing His will, when we are pleasing Him, living a life that's pleasing to Him. Which leads us to the second truth. In chapter 15, if you were to flip over into chapter 15, which we're going to cover here in a couple of months, in chapter 15... Paul's going to argue that because Jesus was resurrected from the dead, that there is a physical, bodily resurrection of Jesus. Right? Jesus comes back from the dead in a physical body. He shows up to the disciples and he even says, look at the holes in my hand. It's his body. It's recognizable. Right? So Jesus is resurrected from the dead. And because that is true, if you are a believer in the room, there is a day in which your physical body will be resurrected from the dead. You will meet your soul in eternity. And therefore, you will be transformed for all of eternity. And so there's this sense that Paul's 
helping us see that our soul and our body are not two separate entities, but rather they are one, and God has a plan to redeem both. Not just one. Not just one. And so it's important for us to understand that, again, our bodies and souls are not two different entities, but they are one in which God has a redeeming plan for both for all of eternity. It also helps us understand the fact that what we do with our bodies actually matters for eternity. It's it's important. He goes on to illustrate this point well in verse 15. He asks a great question. He says, do you not know? Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never, Paul says. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two shall become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Okay, so here's what Paul's saying. When you become a Christian, God gives you his spirit to dwell inside of you. As such, we become what Paul says in verse 19, the temples of the Holy Spirit. That means you are the dwelling place of the Spirit of God. Talk about significance in your life. That, if you've ever wanted to know if you have value as a person, if you are a Christian, you should know that you have value simply because the Holy Spirit is dwelling inside of you. That's power that you and I cannot even fathom. The Spirit of God lives in you, convicting you, empowering you, fueling you to give him glory and to live a life pleasing to him. That's that's incredible. So we have the spirit of God. We are being made one with him. This is how it happens in first, or in, excuse me, in Ephesians chapter one, verse 13, Paul's teaching us, again, that when you hear the gospel and you believe, you receive the spirit, but then also the spirit becomes a seal upon your life for all of eternity. He seals you with the Holy Spirit. And so in that moment, you become one with Christ. So when you say yes to him, you receive his spirit. You're forgiven of your sins. You then receive his spirit and his spirit is his sign, his seal of approval over your life. That means that we do not become Christ as some religions might teach but that we become one with him through his spirit and therefore we become what Paul calls the bride of Christ. We become married with Christ through the spirit, through his work. And so in a very similar way, God has designed sex to be a picture that we see the gospel. We're gonna talk about that more here in just in a minute. But God has designed sex specifically between a man and a woman so that when we engage in this good gift from the Lord, by the way, it's a good gift from the Lord, we become one with that person. (laughs) There is something that happens in a sexual act that our physical bodies and our souls connect in a divinely inspired way. God has created us to do this. That is why sex is designed for a man and a woman in an intentional, committed marriage relationship for life. We're going to talk about the greater weight of that here in just a second. Because here's what happens when this good thing that God has designed for you and for me in a committed, intentional marriage for life, here's what happens when this goes bad. Here's what happens when it goes bad. When we engage in sex, here's what's happening. I want you to think of 
of, of duct tape. I know, strange. Just follow me. Just follow me. So if I, if I were to... If I were to cut off a piece of duct tape, unroll a piece of duct tape, cut off a piece of duct tape, and I were to take that piece of duct tape and I were to roll up my sleeve and I were to put it on my arm, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to rip that piece of duct tape off and after it causes a little bit of pain, I'm going to rip that thing off and I'm going to look at it. And if your arm is anything like mine, there's going to be quite a bit of hair on that duct tape. It's the way the Lord made me. I don't know. It's fine. So there's going to be some hair on that duct tape. But then also when I look down at my arm, there's also going to be some residue that's left on my arm from that duct tape. What happens when you engage in sexual relationship with somebody? A little bit of you is left on them. And a little bit of them is left on you. And so when you go outside of God's good design for this great gift that he has given us, Here's what's happening. You're leaving a little bit of you and a little bit more of you and a little bit more of you and a little bit of them and a little bit of them and a little bit of them on you until all of a sudden the sticky on that tape is no longer sticky. And it no longer sticks to the arm. And so what Paul is helping us see is that when we go outside of God's good design and you enter into a marriage you enter in the marriage without that sticky. You carry some baggage into that marriage. And that's not to say that God's grace is not sufficient to you. We're going to talk about that here in a minute. But I'm just telling you the consequences of your sin impacts you and it impacts another person. Always. Very rarely, if ever, does your sin not impact somebody outside of you. Paul's talking about the danger, so to speak, of us when we engage in something outside of God's good design. And Paul even says in verse 18, he says, Every other sin that a person commits is outside of the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. In some sense, it's not that sexual sin has a greater weight of wrong in God's eyes, but that it carries a greater weight of damage in one's life you to hear that very I'm going to say that again because this is so important in some sense it's not that the sexual sin has a greater weight of wrong in God's eyes which we have wrongfully taught by the way in the church but that it carries a greater weight of damage in one's life I want you to think of if I was had endless wealth And if I could hand you the keys to a brand new red Lamborghini. You heard it. (laughs) And I hand you the keys to this amazing vehicle, right, that is created to be cool, red. Man, gets you to point A, point B really fast. Sounds really good when you start that engine. But if you get behind the wheel of that sweet brand new red Lamborghini... And you do not drive that with a healthy fear and a great deal of respect. You can do a whole lot of damage to your life and to somebody else's life. In the same way, if we don't understand the good gift that God has given us, and we don't use it in the way that God has specifically designed it in a committed, intentional marriage with somebody for life, 
it has the power to do all kinds of damage, to wreak all kinds of havoc, not only in your life, but also in the lives of people in your life. You know, I think, I was thinking about it all week. I think we know this to be true. Like, I think we know it to be true. I think even the culture knows it to be true. In fact, in the last decade, there were two movies that were, uh, were, were put out to the public. One was called No Strings Attached. The other one was Friends with Benefits. And oddly enough, it's the exact same story. And they were put out about the same time, which is kind of comical. Be more creative. Whatever. Um, but here's the deal. They tell this story of casual sex. Right? It's these two couples that they enter into a relationship, and it's like, hey, I'm not committed to you. You're not committed to me. We're just friends with benefits. Hey, we're going to enter into this relationship, and we're gonna, we can have sex anytime we want, but there's no strings attached. But here's what's funny. Over time, both of them tell the same story, that by the end of it, casual sex causes more heartache, more pain, more frustration, more jealousy, more shame, all of those things. So I think it's not only us in the room who are talking about this, but even those in the culture know it's to be true. The outside of God's good design, it has the power to do a whole lot of damage. In fact, <laughs> here's some kind of crazy things. But you think about, again, this idea of casual sex, surprise pregnancies, sexually transmitted diseases, fear, Shame of being found out. Destroyed marriages and families that will impact generations. On an even darker side, the misuse of sex leads to sex trafficking, which I think in 100 years we're all going to look back and go, how in the world did we allow that to ever be okay? I mean, that's going to be the mark on our generation because of the wickedness that it is. It also leads to murder, y'all. It leads to abortions. It leads to all kinds of things. And by the way, I know really, 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 really good people who love the Lord and who grew up in the church who had one lapse moment of judgment and the decision that they made led them into a life of heartache. I know really, really good people who in one movie left unattended made some poor decisions that led them down a pathway that led them to a clinic that their life has changed forever. I think that's the point. I'm like, like this is not supposed to be this guilt trip of like, oh, don't do this, or preaching abstinence for the sake of abstinence. I'm really preaching this for your life because it has the power to destroy or it has the power to bring about life, to bring about joy, to bring about all these really great things in its intended use. I think that's the whole point that Paul is trying to help us see. That there's this great thing that he's given to us, but if we don't handle it rightly, it has the power to destroy a whole lot of lives. Some might say, well, what about pornography? It doesn't hurt anybody. Well, I don't know if you knew this, but one, and out, of, one out of three Americans look at porn at least once a month. That's Americans. That's not just men, by the way. Statistics are growing and growing and growing about all of the women who are engaging in pornography as well. So this is not just a men-only problem. This is a people problem. 
One out of three Americans look at porn at least once a month. Did you know that when you look at porn, you are contributing to an industry that makes more money than the NFL, NBA, and MLB combined per year? Fact check it. Fact check that. That is wild. That is nuts. Every, three se- or every second, $3 million is being spent on pornography in our country. And sadly, you know, we, we could make the statement, well, it doesn't impact anybody. Nobody really knows. I would disagree. Most of the people who are being viewed are subjects of abuse and have oftentimes been trafficked. Like, no little girl grows up and says, I want to be a porn actress. Like, no little girl says, this is what I want to do with the rest of my life. Just think about that. Oh, man. For the person viewing porn, what's happening is, is your brain is being rewired. All statistics, all research says that your brain is being rewired so that you see people as an object of your pleasure rather than people who are created in the image of God. And so here's what's going to happen, guys. If you're in a marriage right now and you're engaging in this, or, or, or if you're heading into a marriage, here's what's going to happen. You're going to begin seeing your spouse as an object to serve your desires rather than someone to love and to care for and to protect and to serve. And I'm just going to tell you, it's not going to work out well. It's going to cause strife. It's going to cause heartache. It's going to cause brokenness in your marriage that you don't even know exists. And so, yeah, this is hard. Yeah, the struggle is real, but the struggle being real doesn't make it okay. Paul would say, I want better for you. I'm saying, I want better for you. A healthy church is oftentimes measured by the health of her marriages. That's real. Now, to that point, gospel. Let's get to the gospel. To that point, Paul says that sex and marriage ought to be a picture for the way that we understand the gospel. That's why he brings in Genesis 2.24. Notice there in verse 16, Paul quotes from 2.24, Genesis 2.24. He says that the two shall become one flesh. So in marriage, the union of a man and a wife is ratified. It's being brought to one as they engage in the act of sex. So in that moment, both parties stand before one another. In their most vulnerable way, there's nothing to hide, right? You're standing before her, she's standing before you. you there is nothing to hide. You, there's no place to run, there's no place to go. And yet the couple accepts one another as they are and they engage in God's good design for sex. In the same way, in the same way, we all stand absolutely vulnerable to the Lord. There's nowhere to run. There's no place to hide. He knows it all. He knows everything about you. He knows every decision you've made, good and bad. He knows it all. He knows every aspect of your failures, your flaws, everything that you've hidden from everybody in your life, your entire life. He knows all of it. He's intimately aware of it. And hear me, he doesn't run away. But rather in Christ, 
He sends his son to this earth to give his life for you, to pay for that sin and that shame that you're so ashamed of that nobody else knows about. And he accepts you to the degree that you become one with him. He ties himself to you through his spirit. Amen. So the gospel is a picture. So sex is not just this fun thing that we do, but rather it is this spiritual thing that God has invited us into. It's a picture of the gospel and how God relates to you and to me. And so every time we do that, it's a moment and an act of worship. Wow. Man. Now the way that all this goes bad is when we misunderstand what it really is. Yes, it's for pleasure. Yes, it's for procreation. But it's also about this beautiful intimacy that is experienced between a man and a woman in an intentional, committed marriage. It's not merely a marital duty or an opportunity to gratify our desires, but it is designed by God to express love, service, and trust to one another in an intimate, sacred, God-inspired way. Wow. And so that's why Paul, when we get down here to verse 18, the reason why Paul commands us to flee sexual immorality is not because we just need to be absent. Abstinent. He's commanding us to flee sexual immorality because it can really mess you up. And it can really mess up somebody else. And so Paul says, don't play with this stuff, but flee. Run. Go to whatever extreme measure you have to do to save yourself from this damage that it can cause in your life. Paul doesn't mince words. He doesn't make a suggestion. He literally commands. He says, flee. How can you give your life to Christ, but you're not willing to give up your laptop? How how can you give your heart to Christ and say, I'm serious about the things of the Lord, and I'm not willing to get rid of this stupid phone? Go to a flip phone. If you got to go to a flip phone, go to a flip phone. There's software abounding right now for Christians who need help in this area. Buy it. Don't go to a hotel room alone. If you're on a business trip, for the love of the Lord, do not go in there alone. Have accountability. Do extreme things to help you flee because it's so hard to just flee. But when you have somebody coming alongside of you that's helping you flee, that's an entirely different story. And I think Paul would say, why are we flirting with it? No pun intended. Like, why would we flirt with something that could literally destroy your life and destroy somebody else's life if it's not used in its intended way? Paul says, flee. Flee. Why? Because God created sex to be a beautiful gift between a man and a woman in an intentional committed marriage. And so when abused, it has the power to damage you and others in a way that nothing else can do. I can't say it any clearer than that. There's no way you walk out of this room and you are not clear by what I have said. I hope. I prayed for that all week. Okay, three people, three groups. I'm gonna do this over here. So group number one, if you are currently, uh, let, let, me, let me go back. If you're in this room and you have walked away from sexual sin, you're doing what Paul has said and you are fleeing from sexual sin, Hear me say that God raised Jesus from the power of the grave and he can raise you from the power of the grave too. The freedom that you have is the freedom to continue to say no. And so hear me say, continue fighting the good fight. It's worth it. 
I promise you it's worth it. Students, I know that marriage might feel like forever away, but I promise you, you will never get to your wedding day and look back and regret it. I promise you. I promise you when you have to have the conversation with the spouse and whom you want to spend the rest of your life with and you have to tell them that you engaged in all this stuff, I can promise you if you can spare them that, spare them that. Because it's brutal and it's hard. It's hard to walk through. So hear me say, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. Take your eyes up there. If this is in your past, I want you to hear me say, you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified. In the name of God and in the power of the Spirit of God. You've been set free. Your, your past has been paid for, bought, and sold. Past, present, future, fully, freely, Forever. So get up out of that grave and continue to walk. Okay, that's that group. Second group. If you are currently engaging in sexual immorality, hear me, I love you, but I'm going to tell you the truth. It's sin. It is what it is. It's sin. And listen to me, if you're a Christian and you're engaging in sexual immorality, I want you to hear me, again, trying to be pastoral here. It's sin. And while it may not be challenging your relationship with the Lord, it is challenging your fellowship with him. And it's challenging your fellowship with other people, and you just don't know it. I promise you, because whether you realize it or not, you are living a lie. You are living a lie, and you're a hypocrite. And I'm pleading with you, by the grace of Jesus, to say, I have the power to not live under subjection to these desires, but to rule over them. Because that's the power that you have in Christ. And so, take your eyes, go up to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. And such were some of you, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of God and our Lord Jesus Christ. So walk away from it. It's the gospel that empowers you to walk away from it. It's not shame, it's not guilt, it's the gospel because God has purchased you and your body is no longer your own. And so therefore you submit to the Lord and say, Lord, you're right, I see this, I confess it, I see it in my life and I'm gonna walk away from it because I know that you are better and you need to replace something of greater value with that in your life. And I'll tell you, the greater value is the fact that you've been purchased and you have been bought. Wow. Wow. Allow the gospel to be the thing, the grace of God that he sees you, knows you, and loves you, and calls you to more. Allow that to be what drives you away from sexual immorality. That's the why. There is a why. It's not just for the sake of not doing it. It's not for the sake of making you miserable. It's for the sake of giving you life and meaning so that you can live a life of sincerity and truth. Okay, third group, my last group. Okay, there, if statistics are remotely right, then one in four out of the women in this room have been sexually abused. One in six men in this room have been sexually abused. You have sexual abuse in your past, and here's what I mean by that. Somebody else's sexual immorality has impacted your life. It was not your choice. Hear me, it is not your fault. I see you, I know you, I love you. More importantly, God sees you, he knows you, and he loves you. Dearly, you are his dear child. 
who he loves and takes great delight in. And so I want you to, I want you to take your eyes, I want you to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. And such were some of you, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. Listen to me. You are not unclean. You are not damaged goods. You are God's dearly beloved son and daughter. And so you have hope. And you can walk in freedom from that. And you don't have to be defined by that. You don't have to be, your life does not have to be defined by what somebody else's sin did to you in your life. And if you need prayer, I'm available to pray with you. I would love that opportunity. But I would also say, hey, listen, if you need help, go get help. Healthy people, go get help. If you're in this group, man, if you need some help, go get help. Healthy people, get help. If you're in this group, (laughs) go get some help. Our church is available to you. We love you. We want to be a help to you as well. And so you can email us. You can call us. We'd be glad to pray with you, meet with you. If you need to just get some things off your chest, we're an available ear to listen. And we'd be glad to pray for you. Listen, sex is a beautiful gift. It's a wonderful gift in its right context. But when it is abused, boy, it creates havoc. And so Paul would say, hey, have a bigger view of it. Recognize what it is, cherish it for what it is, and then live in its designed purpose. That's the invitation this morning. Just follow the Bible. You got it? Awesome, let's pray. Father, we love you. We come to you today recognizing that, Lord, we're all broken and we're all desperately in need of grace and we're desperately in need of your intervention and we're desperately in need of your help. Lord, so whether, you know, all the people that walked in this room, Lord, there's no telling where they're coming from and what they've gone through. And so, Lord, I know that you see them and know them, so meet meet with them this morning. Help them see, Lord, that there is freedom in you. And then help them also see, Lord, that this beautiful gift that you've given to us, Lord, that when we're not acting upon that gift, we're robbing us, we're robbing our spouse, we're robbing our marriage, we're robbing our church, we're robbing our kids. It's this beautiful gift. So help us to see it as that and treasure it for what it is. But Lord, help us to flee from its abuse. Not casually walk away, but to run, to flee. Help us to do that in your spirit, Lord. We love you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. cleansing fountain open wide for all my sin I obey the Spirit's wooing when he said
blood can wash away each stain. Then God's fire upon the Amen. Amen. Amen to all of that. Golly. Amen. Thank you all so much. Um, hey, listen, if your kiddo is not going to Sunday school, um, then you need to head right out here to Connection Central. You'll meet Erin Bass there. She will help you with your kiddo, get you guys connected. So don't worry there. If your kids are going to Sunday school, they're already making their way there. So you don't need to worry about it. Okay. We got it under control. Our children's team is amazing. Best in the world. Best in the world. Hey, if you do not know Jesus and you would like to begin a relationship, I would love to help you figure out how to do that, how to begin a relationship with the Lord. I'm available right after the service. I'd love to talk with you. Our connections team would love to talk with you. If you need prayer, same thing. We would love to talk with you. I want you to know that we're always available for you. We love you and want to be of service to you. Listen, I know it's a tough thing, but the Bible's not always easy, and it's not easy to follow Jesus but yet it's always worth it. And so my encouragement to you would just be continue to follow the Lord and how he leads you, okay? Can't wait to see you next week. You guys have a wonderful week. God bless you. We'll see you next week.